This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're talking mama and baby lessons learned during quarantine in episode number 145. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, ladies. This is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and Today we are going to talk about lessons learned during quarantine. As I record this, we are about six months into the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic of 2020, and it has been a crazy up and down time for my family, as I'm sure that it has been for yours as well, as it has been for the world overall. I feel like we've learned many lessons as a collective and pulled together some, got divisive some, really just kind of all over the map. It's been crazy. It's been crazy. But in some ways, we've learned a lot of interesting things and things have been a blessing. Today, I want to talk in particular about interesting lessons that we've learned for mamas and babies during the quarantine time. At this time that I'm recording, We're mostly out of quarantine, but life is certainly not back to normal yet. And so many of us are still dealing with a lot of the same circumstances and making some of the same choices. But we can look back on the period where everything pretty much was quarantined, where everything pretty much was locked down, and look especially at outcomes for mothers and babies during that time and gain a lot of valuable wisdom that can help us going forward. And so that's what I want to do on today's podcast episode because I think that you'll find it really fascinating like I have. So one of the the things that was noticed right away by midwives and nurses and doctors was that babies uh, were coming back to their birth weight much faster. This was something that was in one of my midwifery discussion boards, and I thought that it was really interesting to see just how many people chimed in and said, we're noticing the same thing. Many people, many midwives working in hospitals said that they had noticed it, and home birth midwives midwives noticed it as well. We also saw fewer premature babies. That one is really interesting to me. Fewer preemies, even though on the whole we would say worldwide tensions and stress were a lot higher, all of a sudden we're seeing fewer premature babies, which doesn't seem to make much sense when you think about it logically. How could a global pandemic possibly lead to fewer premature babies? So that's one of the things we're going to talk about too. Uh, Another thing that we saw is moms having an easier time breastfeeding and these things are, they're all related. So why is this happening? Why were we seeing these results? The biggest reason I believe that we're seeing, we are seeing such results is because there is less direct stress on moms. Now, I will admit, for me, the beginning of quarantine was extremely stressful just because it changed life as we know it, because of what's going on in my family, everything like that was crazy my uh our oldest child she's at she's away at college now thank goodness her campus has been really smart and the kids are still on campus for the time being and we're praying they're going to stay there 
but she's going through the end of her senior year and her college search and things are just crazy. We can't go visit any campuses. We can't do anything like that. We, we can't do last minute testing. We can't do interviews with various colleges. So what she had done up to that point, what we did in the fall and everything leading up to it, that was it. And ultimately, she ended up choosing a college campus sight unseen because things were so crazy and there was so much tension and just everything ground to a halt and there were all kinds of questions and unknowns. So there was there's definitely stress. But at the same time, what my family experienced and, and what many, many, many pregnant and new families experienced as well is that even though there was this global change and we saw life as we know it came to a screeching halt, and there's all these worries, the economy, that's still a worry. It's still, it's something I have to turn over to God constantly is the yo-yoing of the economy and just trust that we're going to be provided for. Just like I've had to learn to tr- trust him in so many pregnancies that, you know, things are going to work out. The birth is going to happen. The baby is going to arrive. Things are going to happen as they are supposed to. And so you do the same thing with the economy because really on a day-to-day basis, while you can work or in my case, why you can write or record, and y'all notice I didn't record a lot of podcasts for a while because things were things were tough for us. But you do what you can, so you're impacted on some level. But on a meta level, all of this that's happening around us is really not necessarily directly affecting us. But one thing that did directly affect us is the shutdown and the quarantine, and it put a stop for your family and for all of these families who had babies during this time, just like it did to mine, on any sort of outside activities. Anything, extracurricular stuff stopped. Kids stopped going to school. Most of us stopped going to work if you worked outside of the home. Everything stopped, and it brought its own challenges. For example, the kids home all day, no extracurricular activities, trying to figure out school if your kids were in school, trying to figure out how to work from home while you had kids at home, which is definitely a challenge. But there wasn't the go, go, go. That pace stopped. Now, for some of us, there were Zoom calls almost all the time, and I was talking to somebody, ironically, on a Zoom call last week, And he was talking about Zoom fatigue is a real thing. And I haven't gone and Googled that yet, but I believe him that Zoom fatigue is a real thing. So suddenly I found myself on a ton of Zoom calls and even doing calls for you guys uh, about being prepared for the pandemic and how it impacted pregnancy and everything. And you may have had some things like that. But even though there was there still may have been a booked schedule. It was very different from the typical go, 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 go. And especially for those of us with children or otherwise busy social calendars, all of that stopped and all of that outside activity stopped. And so moms, pregnant mamas and moms and babies and moms with children were just at home more. And that plays a huge impact, or it plays a huge part and has a huge impact on our well-being and on our sense of being. If we think about a pregnant mom, I love this, if you were able to listen to the, uh, the, the 2020 Natural Birth and Baby Summit, which I did in January of this year, before all the pandemic stuff happened, one of the speakers that I interviewed was Karen Strange. And I'll... What I'll do is I'll try and put a link to the summit. You can still access the recordings um, for that. So go to birthbabylife.com slash summit. So birthbabylife, 
facebook.com slash summit. And I'll put a link to this summit at that link. And Karen's, uh, all of the speakers were fantastic. I felt so honored to be part of it. But one of the things that Karen talked about during her summit session was the speed at which things happen when you're growing a baby. What we think about usually is you may have seen videos, you know, like those animated videos that they put up on YouTube and stuff that illustrate how a baby develops in the womb. And they're time-lapse photography. So you've certainly seen time-lapse photography of uh, flowers blooming and things. It was really funny. The other day we made homemade pizzas one night last week and one of my boys set up a phone in front of the, the oven and recorded the pizza cooking. And then he converted that into a time-lapse of our pizza cooking. So you could watch the pizza bubbling and everything. You've seen all of that, but the reality is, is it took a while for our pizza to cook. It takes a while for a flower to bloom and it takes a long time for a baby to grow. In fact, when we read about the process, like when I study the process in midwifery textbooks, it seems almost instantaneous because you just read one paragraph after another, after another, after another. But the reality is, is what's happening is very slow. So even though it's crazy to think that a human can go from this little speck at conception to a fully formed baby nine months later, that feels incredible. But the reality is, is even those cell divisions and things like that that are happening rapidly, it's not really rapid. And there's pauses between everything. There's a breath, a pause. And that's one of the things that Karen talks about is she talks about how there are pauses, there are breaths. Everything doesn't happen all at once and super quickly. And that's really the way that we as pregnant moms are primed, which is one of the reasons why in Mama Baby Birthing Classes and in many articles and on many podcasts, I recommend that you honor that slowness. And it's not slowness to the point of slothfulness or boredom, but it's more taking things easy. I think a trendy term for this in the business and productivity world right now is margin. So building margin into your life, taking downtime. Certainly you've heard another buzzword, which is self-care. And it's something that I'm really, really big on right now. And as a busy mom, I don't have much time for it, but I try and be intentional about it. And I can do a podcast episode on that. But building that time for you, that margin in to take a break and pause is really important. And what quarantine did was it forced many of us to have that time because things that would have otherwise filled the calendar went away. And even if you have an hour-long meeting on Zoom, it's different than having an hour-long appointment that you have to drive to because there's no commute. It's something that I've really appreciated and find myself loath to give up as the option to do some of my appointments via Zoom because I get rid of the commute. So that calm, quiet, slower pace is what babies in the womb are really programmed for and pregnancy is not meant to be a go 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 time it's really much more meant to be I I just love the visual of pregnant women as these beautiful incredible women who are growing a baby and they deserve to be pampered you deserve to be pampered 
and you deserve to rest and relax. And certainly, if you've read the articles that I've put out recently, I'm a huge proponent of movement and making sure you get movement in daily. But it's a balance. And even movement is very different. When we think about exercise, you may be thinking about CrossFit or something really high intensity. And my number one exercise recommendation for pregnant women is walking and even an ambling walk. Now, I, when I was pregnant with my eight babies, I liked to move. So I liked to do prenatal routines that got some of, you know, got my heart pumping and my circulation going. That felt good. My favorite pregnancy exercise of all time is prenatal dancing, belly dancing. And I still love dancing. The The Summit has an interview with Maha who talks about prenatal belly dance. And it's, again, a beautiful summit. So if you haven't listened to those, definitely check them out. But again, that so it's good to, to balance. You want to balance and have some of that movement in. But really and truly, what we want to see for pregnant women is a slowing down and pacing. And the truth is, is that's really good for babies. And it's really good for small children. And it's really good for older children. Teenagers, I think, they like to be a little bit more on the go. But if any of you have teenagers, you've even seen that if they don't have some downtime and some time to calm down, they tend to crack, they break. People need that margin. They need that break. But especially at this point in life where you're at, the childbearing years, that slowdown is important. And I think that's that's the biggest reason why we maybe are seeing fewer preemies. And an, another thing is when we're talking about that babies are getting back to their birth weight faster and moms are making more milk and babies are thriving, gaining weight faster during this time. Part of that is the same thing. And it, the effect may not be as much for the baby, though I truly do believe that newborns really need that sheltering and that cocooning time. They need that time initially at first. But especially we're not seeing moms who feel obligated to go, go, go. No visiting, no visitors. So you're not seeing as much. And even though there needs to be weighing in the balance in that postpartum time with emotional health, connection for human beings equals emotional health. But there can be a lot of overwhelm and overstimulation for everybody And when all of that is taken away, and when the focus is just being home, being safe, being with your family, then we see that moms aren't as stressed, so they're making more milk, and babies aren't as stressed and overstimulated, so they're nursing better, they're they're better organized in their nursing behaviors from kind of a neurological standpoint. So there's just calm, and we see that reflected in our babies and in our mamas. Another thing going on is better nutrition. It was really interesting at the beginning of the pandemic to see grocery store shelves. I would go, uh, a friend and I went grocery shopping once a week. That was that was the, the extent of my social interaction, but we would meet up at the grocery store and shop kind of near each other and chat while we grocery shopped and then that was it but that was you know that was nourishing for me in more ways than one but we just marveled uh, across the quarantine to see the shelves just bare grocery shelves I, I I took pictures of them for posterity's sake because it's hard to believe living in a modern country that we could see bare shelves but one of the things that was interesting is sure at first we saw things like you know, candies and stuff go away or or microwave prepared foods. But on an enduring level, what we saw was uh, 
things for baked goods and not so much low produce levels, but yeast. Yeast is still hard to get right now. You can't you can't find a jar of yeast, at least in my area. But all of these things to make foods from scratch, um, yeast, tortillas, other things for baked goods, meats became scarcer, uh, dairy products were harder to find. All of these things that form fundamentals because that's that's what people were buying. And I believe that one of the reasons for that is because people were at home and so they started cooking more. They started experimenting with meals more. Another thing that we saw, even though we saw some longer lines and some food insecurity increase, for a lot of families, food insecurity decreased because number one, most states implemented extra help for people who are already getting food assistance, like in the United States, uh, SNAP, um, which is uh, Supplemental Nutrition. I can't remember the rest of the acronym. Sorry, ladies. But it's what used to be called food stamps. So SNAP or EBT money. Families saw more of that. Also, the president in the United States uh, put into, put into, got the wheels turning on what's been called the Farm Box Program, which is where um, farmers boxed up things that that weren't that usually would have gone to restaurants and hotels and things like that that weren't being used and those things were given away to families our family got a number we have a dairy in our area so we ended up with a number of dairy boxes so many gallons of milk I didn't buy milk for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks Um, and I still have sour cream and cottage cheese and stuff from the last couple dairy boxes because we just ended up getting so much food just uh, going by our local high school and picking up the boxes because that was the distribution point so a lot of families and I know in other areas there were boxes with veggies and meats and all that kind of thing so people ended up with less food insecurity than normal we had a little bit at the beginning and then all of these other programs programs came into play. Many schools uh, offered meals for children. I know that our local school system uh, provided both lunch and breakfast and lunch for school kids for uh, almost five months. And that was every day of the week. So they the parent came and picked it up and there was enough for the entire week. So including the weekends is what I'm trying to say. So there's there's just a lot more food for some families and food pantries had more. Our local church, one of our local churches put out a message that they had so much food that it was literally floor to ceiling in their food pantry of all kinds of different food, including uh, canned meats and things like that, that, you know, they're not 100% as good as fresh, but there's there was a lot of food in that church to be distributed to the community. So a lot of families who may have experienced food insecurity or experienced food insecurity for the first time had a lot to help them. And my assumption is it was probably similar in other countries as it is here in the United States where I am. So there was more time to cook, more time to experiment with food, more food money for some families. Uh, A lot of people joked about the quarantine 15 and gaining weight. But when we're talking about a pregnant woman, especially if there's more food experimentation going on, like more meal fun. I think it's fun to experiment with meals in the kitchen, which I'm going to do actually a podcast episode on our family's dinnertime challenge, which was 30 days of great fun for us. But 
you know, when you're in there and when you're cooking more from scratch and when you have food, more food, you're cooking from scratch, you have more time at home, you're more relaxed, you're more likely to be well nourished. And I feel like that's probably one of the reasons why we saw, especially fewer preemies and why we saw richer breast milk. It may not have had as much impact for that immediate postpartum babies regaining weight. I feel like the stress and the lower expectations and visitors were more of an impact on that. But especially the sustained abundant breast milk and fewer preemies are probably tied to that more nutrition plus more rest because that lower or that higher calorie level, more wholesome basic foods that are then made into prepared foods at home are better. Another thing that likely has helped, again, especially with the preemies and moms caring to term more and then just moms and babies emotional health and babies thriving is more time outdoors because all of a sudden what else was there to do now when the pandemic first hit uh, I'm in Michigan so it was it was still pretty cold but spring came mercifully quickly this year thankfully and people were outside because there wasn't a lot else to do you know you can't you can't go to the movie. You can't even go to the gym. You can't go and do anything. You can't go bowling or anything. You can't go to school. You can't go to work. So what do you do? You go outside. So people spent a lot more time outside and got more movement in. A lot of people began home exercise routines because you're home and all of these novice exercise gurus on YouTube just went crazy with doing home routines. And it's very likely that many mamas, many pregnant mamas did that. And many new moms, because you're not going to go visiting or out and about to visit family and make all those circuits. So instead, you're relaxing and you're at home and you're, you know, you're calm and quiet and maybe a little bored. So you pick up baby and go out for a walk and both of you get those benefits. Or if you're pregnant, you go out for a walk and you get those benefits. And then there's the fresh air and just being, we know that just being in nature is a de-stressor, is a calmer. It helps to calm the, you know, your the neurons and our entire body, every system in our body. So it has profound beneficial neurological effects, beneficial effects on circulation, on respiration. It has beneficial effects on our skeletal system, clearly on our muscles if you're out moving, but just the impact on your muscles is good. We don't, during pregnancy, I recommend that women talk with their care provider before anything high impact. So if you're a CrossFitter, I can give you some guidelines on that in mama baby birthing, but I definitely want you to clear it with your care provider as well. But, you know, that just that regular impact um, on our bone structure of walking or hiking, that is really good for us and, and nourishing to us, good for the vestibular system. It just, it's an equalizer on all of those systems in your body and that benefits you and creates overall good health. There are fewer social obligations, which again, that one's a balance because as humans, we're social creatures and relationship is good for us. Even those of us who are introverts like I am need some social interaction here and there. But fewer social obligations 
can be really beneficial in the long run because there's just not as much pressure to go, go, go. And especially for new moms and babies, when there are social, societal expectations that you're going to visit or you're going to take visitors. And a lot of times stress comes with that. I read, I was reading a book for homemakers a couple of days ago, and it It's just little blurbs, like every couple pages is just a little anecdote, basically, by this author. But she was talking about going over and helping her adult daughters, and that as soon as she walked in the house, she looked to see, did dishes need to be done? Did a floor need to be swept? Did something need to be tidied? Could she help with the beginning of the meal preparation? And she said that she often would take a load of laundry home with her, do the laundry, and bring it back. And I thought, oh my gosh, that sounds so wonderful. And that's definitely that's definitely the grandma that I want to be and the mama to adult children that I want to be. And I hope that my daughters and my daughter-in-laws are open to that. But it's most of us don't have that. So when most of us think about the postpartum period and all of those social obligations that come with having a new baby... It's not usually a thought that you're going to be taken care of. Some cultures are much better about this. So depending on your cultural background, you may have that blessing. But for most of us, standard European-American background kind of thing, or I I don't know, I know that uh, Asian, like in Chinese culture, is much better about the postpartum time with moms. Um, And I think also Latina cultures are better about the postpartum times. But I think others are not as good about that postpartum nurturing. And if you know better than I do, you can definitely feel free to share with me, Kristen at naturalbirthandbabycare.com. But most are just not really aware or cognizant of that or those traditions, which I'm sure were there in the past, have been lost. And instead, it's obligations to show off the new baby and to entertain visitors or to go here and there showing off the new baby. And again, all of that's gone. So those social obligations that come with a new baby are gone. And some of the temptations that are there, like getting into mommy and me classes and things, there's not as much. I do feel that having a good support group can be really good for a new mom. So a Leche League group, or if your hospital has a breastfeeding group, or if there's like a mommy and me group at your library, um, those, you know, something like that, maybe one or two, one that meets once a month, usually a Leche League meets once a month, or, um, you know, or once a week, like a library mommy and me group might meet. That's fine, but a lot of moms end up on this kind of go, 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 rush, rush, rush. And again, that's gone. Those expectations for that are gone. And so, again, moms and babies are able to rest. And there's also just more time with your baby, which I think this can benefit everything that we've seen. So we saw fewer premature births, fewer complications, because moms and babies have more time to bond and be calm when baby's in the womb. And then certainly with coming back to a higher breast or a higher birth weight, back to their birth weight and then a higher weight, abundant milk, um, easier breastfeeding, all of those things are coming from the time that moms and babies can spend together. So when a mom and a baby can just cuddle and be together and not have to worry about all the other obligations, Well, there's a nurturing and a nourishing there because really and truly that's what our babies expect. When you think about your baby in the womb, your baby is with you, cradled by you 24-7 all the time. They may feel some stress as you feel stress, but for the most part, your baby feels safe, warm, and protected and has a 24-hour food bar open 
all the time. That changes profoundly at birth, but when mom and baby aren't busy and when mom's home more, there likely is much more cuddling, much more holding. There may be more nursing on demand. And so that that womb experience is continued for a little bit longer. Babies thrive, milk supply benefits. And so we see all those benefits. So when we look at this and we ask ourselves, okay, what's the takeaway from this? Is Kristen suggesting that, you know, we return to a period of quote unquote confinement where we cloister ourselves away from the world for a while before and after birth? And that's not what I'm advocating. I'm definitely not advocating that we need to return to confinement. Like I'm a huge Jane Austen fan and and a fan of fiction of that period when women would just literally disappear for a number of months while they were in quote-unquote confinement at the end of their pregnancies. You just wouldn't see them. And then they would reemerge later past the newborn period and usually without their babies because that's just the way it was done. And I don't think that's a good idea. I love being pregnant and I think that a you know, a pregnant, a baby bump is just the cutest and most beautiful thing in the world. And I liked being pregnant and being out and about with my baby bump. Maybe not quite so much in the last few weeks when it's just, oh, but even then I loved walking and just loved, just loved being out and enjoying and experiencing life as a pregnant woman. So I don't think that you need to cloister yourself away and I don't think that you need to cloister yourself in your newborn away though I definitely believe and I've taught this for many 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 years that you and your baby do need that time and that privacy and you do need to take things really slow at the beginning. You do need to be careful of where you're taking your newborn baby. Infectious disease did not start with coronavirus. It's been with us for a while and especially if you're selective about vaccination, you just you want to keep your baby in that cocoon. Even if you fully vaccinate your baby, vaccines aren't coming on board most of them until 2 and 4 months. So there's that early period where you're just more conscious about where are you, who are you around with your baby, and there's just this this consciousness and protection, almost a choice to mostly self-quarantine. And I do think that that is a good idea in the newborn period. It doesn't mean that you can't have visitors and that we won't go back a bit to normal, but I think that this time has given us a pause to be really intentional about what we do. So think about it as you think about as activities start to pick up again and you evaluate what's right for your family, what's right for your social calendar, what's right for you. And think about how you felt back before quarantine happened and everything was just go, 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 go. What do you feel benefited you? What do you feel didn't? When did you feel stressed? Are there things that you enjoy but you didn't enjoy because of the stress? So a good barometer for me is time in the kitchen. If I like to cook, I like being in the kitchen, surprisingly, after 20 years of, you know, cooking for an army, it feels like not all of those days we're cooking for quite so many as we have now, but I've spent a lot of years of cooking for children and a family, and it can get tiring, but in general, I enjoy experimenting in the kitchen, and so a good barometer for me is if I feel harried in the kitchen or if I feel stressed, I know that I probably need to step back, I probably need to take a deep breath, I probably need to evaluate my calendar and say what's going on to the point that it's crowding out my time in the kitchen or that it's crowding. I don't enjoy laundry, ladies, I'll admit it, but I do enjoy other housework. 
Um, So if I'm feeling like I just am not enjoying just that tidying of my home and things that gives me a sense of personal satisfaction because I love my home and I want it to be a beautiful, peaceful place. But if instead I'm feeling harried and over the top and I'm cranky and stressed with my kids, you guys all know those things. Those are all barometers that help you know there's too much going on. So right now is a good time to look back and say, When did I feel those feelings of stress? Yours are going to be different than mine. Mine are just examples. But when did I feel that stress and that tension? Or what's something I usually loved that felt like it was a burden or that I didn't have enough time to do? And what was it that was crowding those things out? And then ask yourself, can I be really intentional about that? And then if you're listening to this episode in the future, do the same thing. Look at your life right now. Think about these lessons that we've learned from quarantine And ask yourself, am I go, go, go? Am I rush, rush, rush? And would backing off some of that help me? It doesn't mean that a woman who's really busy and stressed is going to have a premature baby because most women carry to term. Or that your baby's not going to gain back their birth weight quickly. But I do think that it makes a case for being intentional and careful about what you schedule. And it makes a case for being mindful of what you eat and how much you eat and the movement that you get in and that time that you spend outdoors, A, for the movement, and also B, just because being in nature has profound positive effects on human beings. We're we're meant to be part of nature too. As much as I love my beautiful, peaceful home, I also love taking a walk outside um, with my dog and those that I love. So it's just part of creating that life that's a holistic life and where you build enough margin in for that self-care, for that nutrition, for just that downtime that we all need so much. So those are some thoughts from quarantine and things that we know were definite effects. I'm certain that we're going to see some studies coming out in the next year or two that document this and pull it apart a little bit more and look at these things, which I'm really interested in because I love academics and research. But for the time being, those are my thoughts that I have and how they can apply to your life. So with that, I hope you have a blessed week and I will talk to you next week. If you want to hear more from me or get updates on the latest podcast episodes, the latest blog posts, I've had a ton coming out lately, which has been fun. I've really been able to ramp up writing. Um, You can go to TrustBirth101.com. That's TrustBirth101.com. And that will allow you to sign up for the newsletter list, get a cool freebie, and you'll hear from me about podcast episodes and a lot more. If you want to get uh, one-on-one interaction with me where you can talk about your pregnancy and what's going on with your pregnancy, you can sign up for Mama Baby Birthing, which is my online childbirth class series which is a wonderful fit for a situation like this because you don't have to go anywhere it's all in the comfort of your home and we do a weekly Q&A call where you can let me know what's going on in your life and I can give you feedback and help you figure out what's going to work for you your baby and your family with that I will talk to you soon and many blessings to you thanks for listening to the birth baby and life podcast with Kristen Burgess For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.